Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Sunday Service. It has been a couple of weeks since I've been here myself. Thank you so much for being patient with me. I was traveling like crazy. So today on Sunday Service, we're going to primarily focus on Q&A. So any questions you guys have regarding creative finance, I will rapid fire for you guys. Have a good time. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, by the way, for anybody that's tuning in right now live, Tomorrow, Jamil Damji is going to be running a direct-to-agent outreach training. And that direct-to-agent outreach training is going to be every day live for the next 10 days. So if you guys are wondering, how do I get leads? How do I jump into this business? How do I talk to real estate agents? How do I get deals? How do I wholesale? Jamil Damji is going to be showing you guys exactly how to do that. Over the next 10 days, I will be on there probably for one or two days just to kind of help out, maybe bring my students on there, just hang out for a little bit. But at the end of the day, this is more Jamil's business model. He's going to be starting. I'm pulling up the, the link right now. Do me a favor, guys. And if you have not signed up for this, you need to sign up for it. I promise, I promise, I promise you that there will be dozens of people getting deals in this challenge. It'll be amazing. All right, so today is December 5th. Cody and I just closed on a brand new million dollar building, about 4,500 square feet of commercial space. We are growing, we are expanding. We really did think that for a while maybe, I think our hopes, our wish was that we would be able to run our business. I was hoping that we were able to run our business without having an office and then the more I talk to other big players, they repeatedly told us over and over and over, you cannot be successful running a virtual business. And the reason being is because it's hard to instill culture. It's hard to be close to your people. It's hard to have uh, you know, the values actually built out when everything is virtual. So about a year and a half ago, Cody and I went against that advice. Obviously, we didn't have that advice at the time. COVID was going on. We were in the throes of COVID. And what we did is we, we took our office building that was in Tempe and we turned that office building into an Airbnb. Okay. Um, and we said, hey, you know what? Let's go virtual. Let's just do everything virtual. So our wholesale operation, our creative finance operation, which basically are one and the same, our fix and flip operation, our virtual assistant operation, everything. Basically, we went virtual and people started working from home. The challenge with that is that, man, we were having a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of Zooms meeting, a lot of Zoom meetings just to keep everybody connected. But there's just something magical about working inside of an office. There's something magical about having the connection between every single person inside your business, just like 10 feet away. So today we, uh, I'm sorry, today was the first time I actually walked into the building. I've been traveling for the last 45 days um, over the last 45 days, I think we've gotten 18 cities or 18 states and something like 21 cities. It's been a whirlwind for sure, an absolute whirlwind. And um, now that we've got this office, we are going to move everybody in tomorrow and expand all of our businesses. It is a tremendous, tremendous, um, exciting situation that's coming down the pipe. Now, coming down the pipe, things that are happening for us, and I'll jump into any Q&A that you guys might have tonight. Um, we are 
starting filming season two in about 25 days for triple digit flip. I never thought that I would ever be on a TV show. And more interestingly, I never thought that I would be on a TV show that would be the number one trending television show on A&E. I never thought it would be the number one trending show on Hulu. I think it's incredibly surreal when you log into Sulu and you go to trending and our show was for about two months, the number one trending show on Hulu. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of viewers and um, we are having a lot of fun. I never thought that I could go to Las Vegas in the um, MGM Grand. Jamil and I were walking through and we were being recognized by people other than our students. And I am blown away by it. Um, a year ago, I was not on TV. And here we are now going into season two of the show. So we're expanding in every possible way we can. And we are going to be uh, growing more and more um, of our real estate business, jumping into more multifamily, jumping into more mobile home parks, really thinking a lot bigger. Now, I don't want to talk so much about multifamily and mobile home parks because it really unmotivates people from taking action when they start hearing, oh, well, this guy bought a $5 million complex or a $20 million complex because when you're brand new, you really have a hard time computing those numbers. And so it's why I don't talk a lot about the mobile home parks that we own on creative finance is because what happens is most people um, shut down when they hear things that they just can't comprehend. Okay. Edwin. Oh man. He says, can you touch a little bit on manifesting? I would love to. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about and it'll come into manifestation. It'll come into all that kind of stuff. Um, I want you guys to understand a few things that are coming down the pipe. Um, who in here are my students? If you are my student, say yes. If you are not my student, say no, please. I kind of want to get a gauge on who's in here, who's not in here, um, because it will help me talk about, yo, Bobby Canode. I just had, he had a beer with me. He, I, that's normal. People say, oh, we had a beer together, but I don't drink. So Bobby had a beer with me yesterday. He had a beer. I had a diet Coke or something. So I want to talk about something I'm doing for Jamil on his birthday. Okay. A lot of no's. A lot of no's. This is great. This is awesome. A lot of no's. So guys, if you are not a student, you know what to do. Look for the people who said yes and connect with them. So a lot of people are coming in here. We're well over 200 viewers. Thank you guys so much. Usually Sunday service is well over 500 viewers, but I haven't been here the last couple of weeks. Cody Barton and Matt Beard have been running the show. Um, and what happens, unfortunately, is when I'm not here, viewers kind of dissipate a little bit. I guess sometimes people show up for me. I don't know what that's all about. Anyway, Love, love Cody, love Matt. I told them to take the break off, take a break today. They helped um, while I was traveling. So please understand something very cool. Jamil is going to be running a direct to agent challenge. Now, what does that mean? If I'm somebody who doesn't have leads and I don't have money, but I know, okay, I don't have leads, I don't have money, and I don't have experience, what do I do to get started in real estate? 
what do I do to get started in real estate? Now, my answer is going to be creative finance, okay? Because I can do creative finance in any aspect. I can go to real estate agents, do creative finance. I can go to wholesalers, do creative finance. I can go directly to sellers and do creative finance. That's obviously always going to be my answer. But what if I'm brand new? I don't have experience, don't have money, and I just simply don't know what to do. What do I do? Well, you wait for Jamil or myself to do a community-wide challenge. And so Jamil is going to be doing a community-wide challenge starting tomorrow. It is called the Secret Agent Challenge. Let's go through that real quick. Please, if you are not in this challenge, I put it in the side chat. It's right there. There's the link. I'm actually going to show you guys what it looks like. So hold on a second. Check this out. Um, let's share my whole entire screen. Oh, no, let's do this. Da, 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 da. I just want to make sure that I show you guys how simple this really is. So tomorrow, Jamil is going to be running this challenge. Let me share this with you so you guys can see it. And how, see how simple this is. Tomorrow, Jamil will be running this secret agent 10-day challenge. So what is he doing? For 10 days, every day, live. Okay, what time is the secret agent daily challenge? It says it right here on the screen, guys. Thank you so much for asking. It's a really great question. December 6th through December 17th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time right here. Okay. The event is by Jamil's community. Now, I am in Jamil's community, so are my sub two students. And so we are going to be in there helping Jamil run this challenge. Now, what is the challenge specifically? It is a really, really great way to build a business and do deals without any leads, without any money, and with very, very little experience. Okay. Marlon Johnson, good to see you. Good to see a lot of people in here. Tanisha, glad to see that you made it home. I had breakfast with you today, so that's great. So make sure that you guys are signing up for this challenge, and I will move on to the next topic, okay? Thank you so much. So um, over the next 10 days, if I don't know what to do, Jamil, for every, every day for two hours, every day for two hours, he's going to go live, and for 10 days, he's going to take you step by step by step by step to do what his method is. He's gonna show you what astral flipping actually is by taking the action every single day so that you guys can go get a deal, okay? So really great to see everybody in here. I wanna talk a little bit about some things that we got coming up. I am going to restart Sunday service on January 1. And what, what I mean by that is we're gonna go from a very basic standpoint on January 1, the first Sunday of the, of the year, we're going to go, what is creative finance? And what we're then going to do is we're then going to do 52 shows in chronological sequential order. Okay. That is the plan. So when people are like, well, what is creative finance? I'm going to tell you guys, here's all the strategies. Here's what those strategies are meant for. And then we're going to then start detailing each strategy for every single week and detail it out. So when somebody says, oh my gosh, I don't know what this is, I'm going to be able to point them back to one specific Sunday service. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, here's something I want to point out to you guys that's really exciting. 
In 2022, I'm going to be writing, uh, I'm going to be finalizing a book that I've been writing. It's all about creative finance. Um, and then I've got another one. Uh, Jason says, is there a podcast for Sunday service? Yes, there is. There's a podcast for on iTunes and Spotify. And also it's on YouTube. You can go back and watch all the YouTube episodes live just like this on video. Okay. So what's going to happen during this challenge is Jamil turns 43 on December 12th. So 12-12, Jamil turns 20, uh, 43. I am going to be launching my brand new my brand new book club on December 12th, okay? I have a book club that I'm only allowing my sub two students to participate in, okay? It's a book club that's all about mindset. And what I do is I pick out a book, pay attention to this because I'm what I'm going to do is one day and one day only in my book club, the day that I launch it, I am going to invite everybody into the book club because of Jamil's birthday. What we are going to do, is we are going to invite the authors of my favorite books on mindset into my mentorship. And what I'm doing for my students is I'm spending about an average of $10,000 a month to pay these authors to come speak to us for an hour to an hour and a half before we as a community then go and read that book together, okay? Now that's what I plan on doing all, th all the way through uh, 2022. It's one of my goals. I want to meet most of these authors, and so I'm willing to pay to meet them, pay to have them come into my community. It's going to be amazing. It all is mindset, okay? Why am I in analysis paralysis? What's that all about? All those things are going to happen. But the number one first book, okay, the first book that we're going to read is The Go-Giver, okay? We are going to read the book The Go-Giver, and the author, Bob Berg, is going to be coming into Jamil's challenge on December 12th. Jamil does not know this. Jamil is not watching this right now. I just left a party for his 16-year-old daughter. He does not know that I'm doing this. So on his birthday, we are going to bring in the author of The Go-Giver as Jamil's birthday present. And I'm going to present that birthday present to him from the entire community in our way of saying thank you so much for everything that you do. So it's going to be amazing. Um, we are going to read that book as a sub two community. But as you, if you are not a student, I want you to understand that I am inviting you right now to that. Okay. So let's go into this real quick one more time because now I have an extra 75 people watching. That's what happens in this little world of ours. It takes about 10 minutes for people to kind of tune in. So if you have not joined into this challenge, I'm telling you, you need to make sure you tune in because once you once you once Jamil gets past day two, the link will no longer be available to people who have not registered today or tomorrow. Okay. So what's going to happen is Bob Berg is going to be in our um, challenge, but he's coming to launch our book club on December 12th inside of that challenge, okay? He's going to come inside of the challenge with Jamil, secret agent, and we're all going to wish Jamil a happy birthday and surprise him with the author of The Go-Giver, okay? So these are the things that we're working on. These are fun, amazing ideas that obviously happen. 
Um, sometimes we got to spend the money to make sure that people show up. Um, but that's what we're planning on doing. Okay. There we go. Marlon Johnson says, treat your friends right. Take care of your community. If you feel lost, plug into the community. Don't sit on the sideline. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, I appreciate that. By the way, Marlon Johnson, I was touched by a story about you this morning. I was talking to Yatung, and she said that she fell away from the community for a while, and it was a phone call from you that got her to come back in. And man, we had a two-hour conversation in front of 300 students this morning that was just absolutely unbelievable. And I just want to thank you in front of a um, an audience. We, we I'm basically at three, a little over 300 live viewers, guys. We have a Facebook group and two YouTube videos or two YouTube um, videos that we're streaming as well. So I think on my channel channel we have 237, 240 people on there. So thank you guys so much. Um, I appreciate you. I really want you guys to join this challenge. It's the last challenge of the year, and it's going to be with Jamil. It's going to cost $0 for this challenge to be ran. It's going to be a great place for you guys to plug in for two hours every day. And then on December 12th, Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, is charging me, unfortunately, charging me $10,000 to show up. And I'm more than happy to pay that money to make sure that that launches our book club and it launches into 2022, which is a community building exercise all about mindset. So I'm super excited. Um, Jose Manuel says, Pace, I've got a question. I tried doing a 0% seller finance, but the seller said he tried to in the past and the IRS came back saying that it's illegal. Is that true? Um, Jose, he is referencing something called imputed interest. Okay, so imputed interest references if you are seller financing something at anything over $150,000 for anything less than 1.9% interest, the IRS will then force you to charge the interest or pay that yourself or pay the tax on what they would consider interest, okay? So the challenge is with, an, with the IRS is that they also don't understand there's multiple ways to structure this. So your seller didn't call the IRS because the IRS would not have known this. Okay. Your seller has no, idea. there's no way your seller called the IRS. There's no way your seller called the IRS. What somebody probably told them or they look, they Googled it online is that seller finance requires you to charge an interest rate. I'm going to say it to you one more time. The IRS imputed interest kicks in after $150,000 on every individual note. So there's multiple ways around this. Number one, you can build the interest in, okay? Number two, what we typically do is if I have a three, let's say I have a $250,000 seller finance note, what I do is I have the seller write a note for $150,000 at 0% interest, and then I have him write a second note for another $100,000, okay? Therefore, there are two separate agreements on the same exact property, and it bypasses a lot. We have multiple deals just like that, okay? So great question. Um, but Im imputed interest is something that pops up all the time, especially since when my students are getting a lot of zero down, zero. in fact, I just bought a triplex in Fayetteville, North Carolina, zero down, 0% zero interest to the seller. The same student... Um, got a deal from that same seller, two deals from the same seller, 0% down to the seller and 0% seller finance interest, okay? 
Now, here's the thing about that. In order for the IRS to even know that there is imputed interest or a violation of the imputed interest conversation, the IRS would have to audit you, okay? And the likelihood of you being audited is basically not zero, but it's very, very, very low. And so I've had CPAs that we have bought houses on 0% seller finance at 300 and something thousand dollars. And I tell them, well, are you worried about this? He goes, the IRS is not going to audit me. I don't care. Okay. So it depends on the seller you're talking to. Sometimes the seller you're talking to is pretty educated and they go, yeah, I don't care. That's not going to happen. And some other, sometimes sellers are saying, man, I'm kind of fearful of this. And so they ask that question and it keeps you from really moving the ball forward. So imputed interest is a very, very um, interesting topic. I get calls from very high level people asking me about it and they go, how are you structuring your zero down, 0% seller finance deals? Isn't the IRS forcing you to pay interest? Not if I am structuring it in two different notes or even sometimes three different notes depending on the situation, okay? Damien uh, Mackey says, any students here in Dallas, Texas? Yes, I usually have uh, Myron and I have uh, Carolyn in Dallas. They usually are in Sunday service with me every single week. I have hundreds of students in DFW. Okay, Alchemy Associates. I really wish I knew your real name. Guys, here's the best advice for you I could give you today. The best advice I could give you in 2022 is stop branding your company name. Stop branding your company name. Start branding your, your name. The biggest brand in your business is always going to be your personal name. Please, please, guys, I ask this so many times. Please brand your name. I don't know who you are, Alchemy Associates, and I'm very sorry, okay? You asked the question, if you are making the offer subject to creative finance, the market list price, explain how. Do you, oh, explain how do you protect yourself on the downside if the house value is inverted? Okay, that's a great question. Let me ask you a question in return. So Alchemy Associates um, has not done a deal. And I can ask, I can, I can say that because with certainty because of the question that you're asking, okay? So let's talk about that. We in Creative Finance... If the house is inverted, let's ask, what does inverted mean? So let's make sure that 300, I have 360 people watching now live. It's interesting, okay? Interesting now that in 20 minutes, more, more people kind of tune in. I should block it out so people can't join, but here we are. So Alchemy Associates. Um, okay. Kishore P, I have logged in from using my company login. Okay, got it. You, gotta, you wanna make sure everybody in here also knows your name, right? You guys should be doing deals with each other. You guys should be getting to know each other. You want people to remember your name. They're never gonna purpose, your, their brain will never want to remember your company name, but they will want to remember your personal name, okay? So Stephen Horton is actually saying this. So let's talk about this. In 2008, when the market crashed, the people who sold their properties are people that were scared or people that no longer had cash flow on their properties and they were losing their butt, okay? If you have fixed debt on your property, which means I go get a subject to loan that is fixed, it's not a variable rate, it's not going to change for 30 years. And my fixed rate is whatever it is. I, I, 
almost don't want to tell you a percentage rate because that really doesn't have anything to do with this analogy, but let's say it's 3%. My payment is never going to change. My payment's going to be the same today as it will be in 25 years from now, in 30 years from now. My payment will never change with a fixed rate mortgage buying it subject to or even seller finance. So in a fixed rate scenario, even if the equity goes up and down, up and down, which it will, I don't care. I purposely buy the properties for cash flow and cash flow only in the very beginning. And over time, I don't care what the value of the property goes. I mean, I do care, but it doesn't impact my ability to own that property. We, as real estate investors, primarily purchase properties for cash flow. So we, I, I'll give you, I could give you multiple addresses. I bought a property last year, this month. I paid a hundred, pay attention to this. I paid a hundred grand more than what it was worth a year ago. So let's talk. Ooh, that's an, that's an interesting conversation. Let's, let's go through this real quick. Can you tell I've been zooming with my students? Okay. So let's say I buy a house that the house, I'll give you the exact example. Okay. I bought the house for 1 million, 200, uh, 1 million and $25,000. And it's in Atlanta, Georgia. You can pull it up. It's 75 Maddox. Okay. I've talked about this multiple times. The house at the time I bought it, I bought it on seller finance, which means the sellers financed it to me. Didn't have to get a loan. Didn't have to check my credit. None of that stuff. The seller, um, originally listed the property for $950,000 and they couldn't sell it. So if a seller can't sell a property for 950,000, then what the heck am I doing buying it for $1,025,000 on creative finance? Well, because I didn't have to go get a loan for that $1 million. My seller gave that loan to me for $1 million, right? Okay, cool. So now, Here's what's funny. I had multiple people, Jamil included, that was like, I'm not happy that you bought this property for $950,000. Or I'm sorry, you, you bought it for $1,025,000 when this, this lady couldn't even sell it for nine fifty. dollars I said, well, Jamil, that's the, that's the thing is that you're primarily a wholesaler, which I love wholesale. We do wholesale as well. But you're thinking about this from a wholesale perspective. Put a different lens on, Okay. Put a completely different lens on. Here's the lens I want you to look at. This $950,000 house that I paid $1,025,000 for, I did not pull out $1 million out of my pocket or even go to a bank for a loan. The seller is allowing me to make monthly payments every single month to that property. Okay, my payments for that property, this is going to scare a lot of people, is about $7,669 every single month. This property through an Airbnb, I yes, I bought it seller finance, okay? Seller, seller financed the house to me. And I turned this property into an Airbnb. This Airbnb brings me in about $23,000 every single month. And then I net in my pocket on one property on this address right here, 75 Maddox in Atlanta, Georgia. You can pull it up, see that I own it. That property nets me, net in my pocket, $10,700 every single month right now. Okay? I paid $1 million for this property when it was only worth $950,000. It actually wasn't worth $950,000. And here's what's funny. 
So the property was not worth nine fifty. Who knows what it really was worth? It's only worth what a buyer is willing to pay for it, and no buyer was willing to pay for it for nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Nobody was willing to pay for that. I paid $1,025,000 for it. And guess what? I don't care about that. I care about the fact that I'm bringing in $10,700. Okay. Now, what uh, what's interesting is now I was just there a couple of weeks ago with Jamil. Jamil valued the property at $1,350,000 now that I have owned it for a year. And he's like, oh my gosh, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Now the value of the property has gone up. Oh my gosh, you were right. I go, bro, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. I don't care about the value of the property. I'm, I wasn't right because I was right about the value going up. What I was right about is that no matter whether the house is worth 950,000 or the property is worth 1,025,000 or the property is worth $1,350,000, I still net $10,700 every single month on an Airbnb. So do I really even care whether the value of the property goes up and down, up and down, up and down over the course of the next 30 years? No. Because at the end of 30 years, guess what I owe? I owe the seller $0. But the entire time, I cash flowed $10,700 the entire way until maybe my prices go up or whatever strategy changes along the way. But the main thing is I care about is my ability to cash flow. This is what terms comes down to, okay? It's what terms come down to. I have dozens of deals just like this, okay? Um, purchase price, how much they want to sell it. Okay. Let's let somebody had a seller finance question. Okay. If a seller is behind on taxes. So hopefully that answered your question earlier. Do I care about the value of the property going up and down? No, the value of the property does not de de uh, value the property's worth to me. My ability to cash flow on the property, depending on how much money I put into the property versus how much money I net in my pocket. I call it sushi money. Why do I call it sushi money? I call it sushi money because it's the money I mentally could go, oh, if I go buy sushi with that money, then I know I don't have to put it back in my business. It means I can take it out of my business and go buy sushi with it, right? So my sushi money on that one property, that one property is $10,700 and I overpaid for that property $100,000 more than what it was traditionally worth but I didn't buy it on traditional financing. I didn't use my own money. I didn't use my own credit. I bought it on creative finance and I am, my exit strategy is a very great cash flowing exit strategy, which is Airbnb. Okay, so Caxi says, if a seller is behind on taxes, would the final end buyer pay for that or the seller does at closing? How much does that process, how would that process be? Would you just combine how much the seller owes in taxes plus, let's see, plus purchase price, how much they want to sell it for if they do and put it in the section of the purchase price. Okay, great. This is a great question. This is why I love talking to my students on Zoom rather than um, on Sunday service. Sunday service is a challenging uh, format to do live because sometimes when you get these intricate, intricate questions that require typically a conversation back and forth. So I'm going to do my best um, to answer your question without answering it the way I do on my Zooms with my students. 
when I'm on Zoom with my students, I have a conversation back and forth. And I say, do you understand? Okay, great. Let's move on. Do you understand? Okay, great. Let's move on. But on this, I'm going to have a hard time doing that. So your question is, if a seller is behind on taxes, well, first and foremost, this is an interesting conversation too. I have multiple properties that I took over with creative finance that did not, okay? The seller, actually I have a house on Des Moines, okay? Seller has a, actually, no, we wiped out the IRS lane. I have another property on Pueblo, okay? Have, have a house on Pueblo. The house on Pueblo, we ended up buying the property for 100 and let's just say 150. It's really close to that. I bought it for sub, on sub two, $150,000. The IRS was owed $40,000 in a lien position. Guess what I did? I just took the IRS debt over sub two as well. I owe his IRS debt. I don't owe his IRS debt. He owes the IRS debt. The IRS debt is just recorded and, and uh, leaned against my property. But here's the thing I understand about this property is that he doesn't have payments to the IRS and the IRS is not going to foreclose on this property. Okay, That's not what the IRS is in the business of doing. So the IRS is not going to foreclose on this property. What I ended up doing is this property currently nets me, I think it's like $580 per month. Okay, At some point, I'm either going to sell the house, I'm going to refinance the house, I'm going to do something in the future, and that's when the IRS would be paid off. Okay, so did I really buy the house for $150,000 or did I buy the house for $190,000? The reality is, guys, you can sub to an IRS lien. Okay, now, if you are not ready to hold a property, okay, I am ready to hold a property, obviously, which means I'm going to own those houses, if you are not ready to hold a property, then this is a challenging thing because what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to wholesale this to an end buyer and the end buyer is then going to have to be okay with taking the IRS lien over subject to or your buyer is going to then tell you the answer to your question, okay? This may be a deal that you're in the middle of, but I don't think it's actually a deal you're in the middle of. Maybe it's something you've encountered and you're curious about, Um but the reality is your buyer and you need to have a conversation. I can tell you, you have not spoken to an actual buyer about any specific deal. Otherwise, you would have already had your answer. Your buyer might say, for me, I've taken deals like sub, some of my sub two students bring me a deal and they go, hey, this one has a $25,000 tax lien. I go, okay, I'll, I'll take that over. It still cash flows even with the, the tax lien. And at some point, I'll pay that tax lien off based on appreciation, based on cash flow, based on all the other things. You have not had a conversation with the buyer. Otherwise, the buyer would have either told you, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I will just pay it off cash. Or the buyer would have told you, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Tell your seller they need to have that out of their purchase price because I'm not paying for that. That's too tight of a deal. Or your buyer is somebody like me that understands that the IRS is not going to foreclose on that property. And why not just take that, that IRS debt over subject to and deal with it 10 years, 20 years down the road. The main thing I care about on that property is I care about cash flow, mortgage pay down, except and, and appreciation, right? So I can do all of that. I can accomplish all of that even with an IRS lien. Pretty interesting. Okay. Timothy Lee, how did you know that the Maddox property in Atlanta would cash flow so well before buying it? I'm a newbie in New Jersey, not a student yet. Okay. So first and foremost, um, it's very simple. 
I wish I knew this a couple of years ago as well, but honestly, I, I've learned myself. It's called airdna.com. Okay, what I would do is I would go to my students. I have a lot of students that um, have the subscription to this AirDNA. I don't even have the subscription to AirDNA. My students do, and they give me the number. So I have several students that are doing a lot of Airbnbs, and I have my students actually manage my Airbnbs for me, and I will text them an address and go, hey, underwrite this on AirDNA. Underwrite means take a look at it. Tell me what it can produce, Okay. Look at Tyler Townsley, okay, one of my students. He's actually one of my mastermind students. He says he has it. So if you want to have access to airdna.com without spending the money and you're a newbie, then reach out to Tyler Townsley. He'll help you out, okay? Really great question, but AirDNA is what gives you the value of what um, Airbnb is going to produce for you. And usually it's very conservative, Okay. How is the title decoupled from the deed in a sub two transaction? Any specific instruments used by the title company during the title process? Okay, so Trevor Mills, this means that you think that the um, title and the deed are two separate things. You also think that a deed and a mortgage are the same thing. You, you, you're misunderstanding what subject two actually is. So let's be very clear. There is no decoupling of anything. They're two completely separate things from the get-go, okay? So if I have a property, what you're, what you're thinking is you're thinking that there is a deed and a mortgage are the same thing. They are not the same thing, okay? So I buy this house, and guess what this house has? This house has two things. Number one, it has a mortgage, okay? And number two, it has a deed or the basically the proof of ownership. I can transfer this deed to anyone I want at any time I want, even without a title company. Okay. I can take over somebody's house subject to literally in less than 45 minutes without a title company involved whatsoever. I can go down to the county recorder's office and this deed gets transferred through multiple different ways, but you can do a quick claim deed if you really wanted to. I don't suggest you do a quick claim deed. That's a whole another conversation for another day. But you could do a quick claim deed. You do not. The deed and the mortgage are not the same. There is no decoupling of anything. They were decoupled from the very beginning. The deed and the mortgage actually have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. They are not connected in any way at all whatsoever. Okay, so there's no decoupling whatsoever. Um, what happens if the seller faces bankruptcy after the sale? Will this affect the new owner? No, because guess who? The, if the owner files bankruptcy, they are fi filing bankruptcy on assets that they own, okay, or houses they own. Do they own the property that they sell or finance to you? Do they own the property that they subject to to you? No, they do not. They are no longer the owner of that property the second they sell or financed it or subject to that property to you. So if they go and they file bankruptcy, are they naming a property that they don't actually own in their bankruptcy? No. They don't own the property anymore. It's such a common thing that people say. Now, I could jump into this for a couple of minutes and get deep into this, um, but here's the reality. If, if you do have a seller, Let's say that they sell a house to you subject to. 
and there's still a debt attached to their name when they go file bankruptcy. What we do in our purchase contract that's subject to is that we make sure that the seller acknowledges that that debt is to remain in their name. They cannot foreclose on, or I'm sorry, they cannot file bankruptcy on that. And that's in my agreement. So if for some reason that property gets named in a bankruptcy hearing, which it has happened to me twice, all we do is we take that contract to the bankruptcy judge, the judge that is you know, handling the proceedings. And we say, hey, judge, this is our agreement. This seller does not own this property anymore. We do. And this debt is not supposed to be named in this bankruptcy. And both times it's happened to us, the judge dismissed it, took it off the bankruptcy proceedings, and that property was no longer involved. Okay. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, great questions, by the way. I love this. Um, how do you take over lend? Uh, how do you take over mortgage payments without tipping off the lender? Well, first and foremost, there is no instrument. There's no notification. There's no central authority that's sending a message to the lender. Nobody's sending them an email. Nobody's calling the lender. And also, nobody at the lender. Think about these companies, by the way: Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase. All these people. Nobody's at the bank looking at deeds being transferred because the reality is deeds have been tr being transferred this way subject to for hundreds of years, okay? Ever since deeds were, were in fact, if I went through some really old school um, subject to stories, there's subject to stories back 200 years ago, okay? Even today, the technology does not exist that when a deed transfers and the new owner is, is presented, that the bank is notified in any fashion. They are not notified. And even if I call the bank, okay, I had a subject down. This will be the last thing I, I say, and I'll wrap it up. And then we're going to get into, um, by the way, we've got basically, we've got 400 people in here today. Thank you guys so much. Tomorrow, we are starting a challenge. Go in the side link, um, the side chat. There is a great challenge going on for the next 10 days. If you've ever wondered, how do I get leads? How do I talk to those leads? How do I get houses under contract? Okay. If you've ever wanted, okay. If you've ever wanted to do deals in real estate and you don't have leads and you don't feel part of a community, tomorrow's challenge with Jamil Damji and the preceding, or I'm sorry, the following next 10 days. Okay. The following next 10 days is going to be two hours every single morning of us working this challenge together. Okay. Um, guys, these are really great questions. I think we're going to, we're going to do is we're probably going to answer these next week. So guys do me a favor next week. I will go longer on Sunday service for probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Um, okay. Holmes Ketza. Pace, if I come across possible sub two properties, do you, do you pay and how much do you, uh, um, advarage a referral? advance a referral. Okay. If you come across a possible sub two property and I have to do the work and I have to get the contract, I typically will pay you a referral fee of 500 to a thousand dollars. Cause I'm the one that made the magic happen. I'm the one with the skill. I'm the one with the money. That lead is dead without, without me. Okay. But if you have it under contract and it's a contract that I want to buy, I've paid people as high as $80,000 on assignment fees on a property. I paid full retail for. Listen to what I just said. I have paid people as high as $80,000 in assignment fees on properties that I paid full retail for. Now, why did I pay that much money? Well, because of the terms 
that they, the previous person structured with the seller and they brought that already structured contract to me. I didn't have to do any of that work and they structured it magnificently. Okay. 0% seller finance or what have you. So I pay, a, I can and will pay a lot of money, but most of the time I'm paying anywhere between $2,500 to $10,000 for people to bring subject to deals to me. Um, most of the time, because most of the time people are not structuring them the way I would structure them. But I would love to pay people $20,000 every single deal. Okay. I would love to do that. But the reality is most people are trying to do it on their own and they don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, Myron, this is what happens when you're on um, bigger pockets or what happens when you're on Brad Lee or Ryan Pineda. You get new people coming in here wondering about subject two. Okay, that's what happens. Um, Alchemy Associates, I wish, I, I wish you would change your name, to be honest. Kishore P, because there's no way that your last name is P. How do you protect yourself from rising interest rates in the subject too? Don't typically, um, don't banks typically call notes due? A bank is, it is not legal for a bank to call a note due just because of interest rates rising. That is not a legal thing. That is not a real thing. That is a myth. Nobody that you've ever heard that story from has ever actually encountered that unless it was an adjustable rate mortgage or they did their paperwork wrong and they got the due on sale clause called on them. And by the way, I have never personally known anybody. I've had the due on sale clause called on me, but I've never known anybody that actually lost the property based on due on sale. Due on sale, I've done multiple Sunday services about due on sale. Go watch those on my YouTube channel. Type in Pace Morby due on sale or Sunday service due on sale. And I will deep dive for an hour to an hour and a half and talk specifically about that. Rising interest rates causing people to call the, the notes due is a myth that probably you only hear about on bigger pockets because most of the stuff that you hear on bigger pockets are people that are telling fairy tales about creative finance. Um, that's a fairy tale. It doesn't happen. Okay. It's happened in the past because people did their, their paperwork incorrectly or. Yeah, Justin G, this, check this out. So Justin G says, the due on sale clause Sunday service is awesome. So go take a look at that, okay? Um, had to rewind, and that is high speed. Pace with the zero down imputed interest, freaking high speed to the max. That's funny. Um, what does on contract mean? Newbie question. I don't know what I said that meant on contract. I'm very sorry. Um, these are great questions. Um, Nikki Selka says, do you have any videos breaking down how you structure your monthly payment and loan details on your deals? Yes, I do on my YouTube channel. Um, how does the seller get paid when, you, when you're using the SIR method? The, SIR, the seller moves out of the property the second I buy the house, okay? The SIR method, remember, it's the S stands for either subject to or seller finance, depending on the situation. Subject to or seller finance. I, th they move out. They're gone. They subject to the house to me or they seller finance the house to me. They are gone. The seller is gone. Okay. Then when I, re I rehab the property, I rent it out. I then refinance it with a traditional loan. That is when the seller gets paid off on their seller finance portion is on the second to last R. Okay. Now, 
King and Cradle says bigger pockets equals fairy tale. I didn't mean it that way. What I'm saying is that bigger pockets regarding creative finance, I see a lot of people that have very little experience with creative finance that amplify the boogeyman and the fairy tales around creative finance. And I wish that wasn't the case. I want to spend more and more time on bigger pockets to correct these things. And whenever you ask somebody, hey, you know, I, they go, oh, well, I, my cousin's brother's uncle heard about this. I go, great. Can you, here's my phone number, have him call me and you'll, I'll never have those conversations because they don't exist. What it is is somebody brought it up and then it magnified into something else. Does the do on sale clause happen? Absolutely. The do on sale clause happens. It's very rare, but it happens and it's happened to me multiple times. Now that's a conversation for another Sunday service where we talk about exactly how it overcame those. Okay. And those are great, 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 great ones. Okay. Um, Ty Brady says, what's the best way to find um, students to squat up with? Um, two places. Number one, you're in the place right now. Look in the side chat. Okay. If you guys are all on my Pace Morby YouTube channel, we've got 400 people in here right now between all the channels. If you actually go into the Pace Morby YouTube channel, you will see the majority of people in YouTube. I still stream to Cody's YouTube and I still stream to my Facebook group. But the reality is, the majority of people are on my YouTube channel. So first and foremost, go into YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash Pace Morby. You will see the live stream in there. The second thing is go to my free Facebook group. I have a really great Facebook group called facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash creative finance with Pace Morby. Okay. So I appreciate you guys. Um, I am going to be back next week for an hour and a half. I will do a longer wholesale hotline next week, more Q and a bring all these questions. What I want to do next week is I want to do a Q and a, but bring some people on the stage so we can have a conversation. Okay. Cause you guys have had some really, really great questions. All right. We'll do another Q and a, I'm going to bring some of you guys on the stage. We're going to have a lot of fun. Please, guys, if you're not already subscribed to my YouTube channel, do that. You will be notified when we go live here, which will be great. Um, Justin C. G., last question. Can a seller finance note be placed in a trust? Absolutely, right? Um, so, guys, thank you so much for tuning into Sunday service. I will see you next week, or I'll see you tomorrow on Wholesale Hotline with Brent Daniels and Jamil Damji, um, or I'll see you in Jamil Damji's challenge. Have a great day. Oh.